0: Part 3, Chapter 31, Pastimes and Recreations, and first, those that are lawful and praiseworthy. It is sometimes necessary for us to relax both mind and body by some kind of recreation. As Cashin relates, When a hunter one day found St. John the Evangelist holding a partridge in his hand and stroking it by way of amusement, he asked how a man like him could spend time on so common and trivial a thing. St. John replied to him, Why don't you always carry your bow taut? If it were always bent, I'm afraid it would lose its spring and be useless when I needed it, the hunter answered. To this, the apostle replied, Don't be surprised, then, if I sometimes relax my close application and attention of mind a bit and enjoy a little recreation so that I may afterwards apply myself fervently to contemplation. It is undoubtedly a defect to be so strict, ill bred, uncouth, and austere as neither to take any recreation ourselves nor to allow it to others. To get out into the open air, be entertained by happy, friendly conversation, play the lute or some other musical instrument, sing to a musical accompaniment, and go hunting, are all such innocent forms of recreation that to use them properly, all that is needed is the common prudence that gives due order, time, place, and measure to all things. Games in which gain serves as recompense for skill and bodily or mental activity, such as tennis, pall mall, charging the ring, chess, and backgammon, are by nature good and licit forms of recreation. We need only to provide against going to extremes as to the time spent on them or the amount played for. If we spend too much time on them. They are no longer amusements, but tasks in which neither mind nor body is refreshed, but rather stupefied and worn out. To play tennis for a long time does not refresh the body, but tires it out. If the stakes played for are too high, the player's emotions get out of control. Moreover, it is unjust to gamble so much money on skill and labor, so unimportant and useless as that exercised in games of chance. Above all, Philothea, You must take particular care not to become absorbed in such amusements. No matter how innocent some kind of recreation may be, it is wrong to set heart and affections on it. I don't say that you must take no pleasure out of games of chance, since then it would not be a means of recreation. I do say that you must not fasten your affections on them, spend too much time on them, or be too eager for them. Part 3, Chapter 32, Prohibited Games Games of dice, cards, and the like, in which winning depends principally on chance, are not only dangerous as recreations, just as dancing is, but are of their own simple nature bad and reprehensible. This is why they have been forbidden both by civil and ecclesiastical law. But, you will ask, what great harm can there be in them? Gain is not acquired at these games by reason, but by chance, which often falls to one whose ability or industry deserves nothing. This in itself is an offense against reason, but that was what we agreed on, you will tell me. This is all right as far as proving that the winner does no wrong to the others, but it does not follow that either the agreement or the game is reasonable. Gain ought to be a reward for labor, but here it is made a reward of chance chance deserves no reward whatever, since it in no way depends on us. Moreover, although such games are called recreation and are designed for it, they are by no means such. Actually, they are strenuous occupations. Is it not an occupation to keep one's mind caught and bound by unremitting concentration and disturbed by constant worry, apprehension, and care? Can there be any sadder, gloomier, or more depressing concentration than that of gamblers? You must neither speak, laugh, nor cough while they are playing for fear of offending them. In fact, there is no pleasure in gambling except to win, and pleasure that comes solely from our companion's loss and pain is certainly evil. For these three reasons, gambling is forbidden. When the great king, St. Louis, heard that his brother, the Count of Anjou, and Monsieur Gautier de Nemois were gambling, he became very angry with them, got out of bed where he lay ill, staggered to their room, took the tables, dice, and some of the money, and threw them all out of the window and into the sea. A holy and chaste maiden, Sarah, says in reference to her own innocence, "'You know, O Lord, that I have never joined with them that play.'" Part 3, Chapter 33 Parties and Lawful but Dangerous Pastimes. Balls and dances are forms of recreation that are in themselves morally indifferent, but because of the way in which they are conducted, lean very much towards evil and are consequently full of risk and danger. Generally held at night, in partial or complete darkness, it is easy for many dark and vicious things to take place in them, since the situation is of itself so favorable to evil. Since dancers stay up late at night, they lose the following morning, and hence an opportunity for serving God. In a word, it is always foolish to exchange day for night, light for darkness, and good works for wanton deeds. Everyone tries to see who will bring the most vanity to the ball, and vanity is so favorable to evil affections that dangerous and reprehensible acts of love easily occur at dances. For my part, Philothea, I have the same opinion of dances that a physician has of pumpkins and mushrooms. In his opinion, the best of them are good for nothing, and I claim that even the best dances are not much good. Nevertheless, if you must eat pumpkins, be sure that they are well prepared. If you must go to a ball on some occasion that you cannot very well avoid, see to it that you yourself dance properly." You will ask me how this is to be done, and I answer with modesty, dignity, and a good intention. Eat mushrooms only sparingly and seldom, the physicians say, for no matter how well they are prepared, a large quantity makes them poisonous. Dance only a little and very seldom, Philothea, since by doing otherwise you put yourself in danger of loving it. According to Pliny, because mushrooms are spongy and porous, they readily attract all the poisons that are around them. Thus, if near serpents, they absorb their venom. Balls, dancing, and other such nocturnal gatherings usually attract the vices and sins rife in such places, namely quarrels, envy, scoffing, and wanton love. Such affairs open up the bodily pores of those taking part in them, and they also open up the pores of the hearts. They are thus exposed to the danger that a serpent will seize a favorable opportunity to breathe into their ears loose words, foolish deeds, or wanton acts, or that a basilic will cast an impure look or wanton glance of love into their hearts, which, being thus opened, are easily caught and poisoned. Philothea, idle recreations are usually dangerous. They extinguish the spirit of devotion, weaken its powers, cool the fervor of charity, and arouse countless evil affections in the soul. This is why they must be used only with the greatest caution. Physicians say that after eating mushrooms, we must drink good wine, and I say that after dancing, we must turn to consideration of good and holy things to prevent the baneful effects that the empty pleasure taken in dancing might stamp on our minds. What are such considerations? 1. While you were at the ball, many souls were burning in the flames of hell for sins committed at dances or occasioned by their dancing. Number 2. At that very time, many devout, religious persons were in God's presence, singing His praises and contemplating His beauty. How much more usefully was their time spent than yours? Number 3. While you were dancing... Many souls departed out of this world in great anguish and thousands of men and women were suffering dreadful pain in their beds in hospitals or out on the streets from gout kidney stones and burning fever alas they had no rest will you have no pity on them do you not know that some day you shall groan like them while others will dance as you did number 4 our lord our lady the angels and the saints saw you at the ball Ah, how greatly they pitied you when they saw your heart filled with pleasure by so vain an amusement and taken up with such foolish trifles. Alas, while you were there, time was passing away and death was drawing near. See how he mocks at you and invites you to join his dance? In that dance of death, the size of your friends will be the violin, and you will take the single step from this life to the next. This latter dance is the true pastime of mortal men, since by it we pass in an instant from time to an eternity of either reward or punishment. I have set down these little considerations for you, but if you fear God, he will bring to your mind many more to the same effect.